Hey everyone, welcome another Devo with Patrick and Jamie. Uh, we're excited to be with you again uh, today. It's in the morning. We're recording in the morning today. Sometimes we do it in the afternoon. Today is a morning kind of a day. So yep. in, uh, yeah, so here we are. Um, Patrick, what's new in your world right now? Oh, just, I don't know. I have my coffee, the Hakuna Matata. Oh, that's good. With a yeah, asterisk. It says no worries. That's like weird how it's like not the right way for it. This is all about perspective. I mean, look, I have a really big coffee cup today. I mean, wow. That's like a fancy coffee cup too. Right? I got it as a Christmas present. Interesting story. Sarah bought this. Yeah, I know. Sarah bought it as a Christmas present because I had one that I got as a gift and somehow I lost it. And so she got me a new one. Uh, to replace it, but she hid it so it would be a surprise and didn't find it until like a week ago or a oh. couple of weeks ago. Oh. So it was a Christmas present, but I'm getting it in, uh, it was actually late February when I got it. So that's, that's perfect. Pretty, yeah, that's kind of fun. You know, Christmas all year long, unintentionally. Yeah. Um, I well, should, Pat, I do know what's new. I have, this is like a big thing. Oh, good. Okay. For, good. The, I, for the first time in months, I, in my morning walk, it was like warm enough to not have to wear a jacket. Oh, at six fifteen. So it was like fifty degrees instead of forty. Like say like fifty five. Oh wow! And okay. it was like the cloud cover. I think was keeping the heat in. Anyway, yeah. people yeah. don't realize that when you live closer to the ocean, that cloud cover can actually moderate the, the like ocean can moderate the temperature or something. It's like it. It usually stays a little bit closer. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but, that's not really Bible stuff. So maybe yeah, maybe we right. should figure out what Bible passage we're, we're in today. Yeah, I've have it in front of me. We are in John chapter two, and we're going to look at verses thirteen through twenty-two. It's the story of Jesus clearing the temple courts, and this mm. is one of my favorite uh, stories because doing messages for middle schoolers, a favorite <laughs> series I have done a couple times is awkward Jesus stories. <laughs> And man, is this awkward. So I'll go ahead and read it. Starting at verse 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables, exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both the sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple had spoken, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, that was perfect timing. I don't, know what, I, uh, I don't know what you were doing, but it was I ran perfect out, I ran out of battery. Uh, my, my computer said you have four minutes, and then this thing's going to blow up. <laughs> Normally when mine says four minutes, the notification gets about halfway, like 
up to notify and then it turns off. It's like for what? Oh <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was getting close. It said I had an hour and a half this morning and I think I did about 20 minutes on it. And now it's like, sorry, where well, I'm yeah. just done. I'm toast. <laughs> right. All right. So check, check this out. It was almost time for the Jewish Passover. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Boom. Traveling. Yeah. And the Passover was a big deal because in the Passover they would have, you know, I think one estimate that I read said that there were maybe even up to 4 million people. Some, some have said 2 million. Uh, I think one of the first century uh, historians said that they, they had a quarter million lambs that they had to, um, that they brought in in order to have the the Passover feast. And part of the rules for that is you were supposed to eat all of the lamb. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think about, you know, how many people does it take to consume a quarter million uh, lambs? Uh, I don't know. I think that, you know, you do the math on that and that can be in the millions for sure. Oh yeah. A quarter, like, it's a quarter I don't million. know how much a lamb weighs. I don't know, you know, how hard it is to eat the whole thing. Yeah. But anyway, there you go. Yeah. So that's what's, that's the scenario. That's what's going on. And so Jesus rolls into the temple courts and in the temple courts, verse 14, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves and others sitting at tables, exchanging money. And the way that I have heard this described the best is like, if someone or a group of people set up a pop-up market at in front of a church. Yeah. Right. <laughs> sure. It's like, yeah. And, and they didn't really regard the church at all. They're like more happy that they have the space to, to do this in the patio. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. Um, there isn't really, we don't, we don't really get a picture of the motivation of, all the people who are selling. I mean, we can make an assumption that here they're greedy and they're trying to make money. Um, some people might even say uh, that these these people, they normally would have been kind of away from the temple and the worshipers would have to go to them first to get their money changed or to get their uh, sacrifices, uh, to get their their donations basically. They'd have to go and get that, and then they'd have to go to the temple. So in some ways, it's also kind of like a matter of convenience that it's moved into the temple court. So I can see where people would be like, oh, yeah, we can have way more people show up and worship, and it'd be way more efficient if, huh. if we uh, put all of these, these people in this, in this outer court. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one thing that I heard kind of for the first time, our pastor uh, preached on this and he was saying, yeah, there, there had to have been a lot of the people who were leading the temple uh, were, were okay with this. Like everyone seemed to be okay with it. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Like not, it wasn't just a problem with the money changers. It was a problem with the people who allowed it to happen. Right. Yeah. And obviously... <laughs> As we see in verse 15, Jesus shows up and is not, <laughs> not particularly happy. My favorite line it. of the whole story. Yeah. Verse 15. So he made a whip out of cords. Okay, and just, can you just stop right there? Like, okay. So just, just let's think about this for a second. When have you thought of Jesus going about his daily life? And then you add the next phrase. So he dot, 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 you know, and in your mind, you'd be thinking like, 
so he healed many or so he you know fed, said something really people. smart or Prayed. so he fed people and this time, this time and so he made a whip <laughs> what yeah. what is going on <laughs> right uh, scripture is now getting weird yeah seriously and so he made a whip out of cords and i i wonder how quickly that was made like was he standing there just fuming for 20 minutes as he's trying to make this cord or was it did he have it kind of already but you just had to like tie a few things i don't know that's like i should do a deep dive into that because yeah yeah what did that look like i heard a, a pastor preach on this once and talk about what it must have been like to watch jesus like go get these cords and probably squat on the ground somewhere and just start tying them together and the disciples are like uh what's he doing like, well, what, don't you think happening? he'd look like, like outwardly angry too, kind of like fuming? Yeah, you would think so. You would like, think he, you would think he, it, he would be emotionally moved uh, that it would drive him to do this. Except, right. I've heard people say that you know this was not a like raging, uh, out of control action. Um, Jesus, this was an intentional action. This was premeditated. Um, uh huh. Some people have even said, well, he probably would have seen this before. This might not have been a brand new thing to him. Um, I don't know if there's necessarily evidence for that. Um, you know, it could have been that this was the first time they made the move of, you know, moving all of these, these people into the temple courts, but maybe, right. maybe not. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so it's premeditated. So Jesus makes a whip of cords. Yeah. And drove all from the temple courts, sheep and cattle, scattered the money, of, uh, scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Now imagine if we were at the point in this video where I just flipped my desk. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking more of like professional wrestler style. Like, have you ever seen them? Like they, they come in wearing a suit and a tie. And they start talking and then they get louder and louder and louder until their faces are turning red and the veins in their neck are like throbbing. And then the next thing you know, they just start hitting each other or turning tables over or throwing people through tables or grabbing chairs and hitting each other. That's kind of what I, I feel like this, this looks like. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess so. You know, and it seems like kind of, you were kind of trying to say, I think that it was maybe really organized and calm, but to me, I read this and it's like sheep and cattle running. That's chaotic. Yeah, right? no, no. And yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think it was calm at all. Oh. I, but I, I, yeah, I was just trying to say that I think Jesus, uh, this was a premeditated thing. Like it was oh. not organized, but he knew what he was doing. Oh he yeah. He didn't do this out of like a fit of rage or he didn't snap. He yeah. decided like, this is what I have to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, when you think of Jesus, you think of the Prince of Peace. You don't think of a guy with a whip, uh, you know, moving animals out of there. And by the way, he wasn't whipping animals like to abuse them. Right. He was he was using that in order to drive them out because you can't just tell uh, these animals just to go and they'll follow you. Right. Um, and if you look into verse 16, he says to those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Right. So he didn't like release the doves or hurt them. He yeah. told the people like time to go, you know? Yeah. Um, because I think this is my suspicion, knowing the person of Jesus, Jesus does care about animals to a certain extent. Right. Um, right. He's not like some 
you know, person who only cares about people and animals are, are, uh, are worthless. Um, so he's not there to like hurt animals. He's there to clear the temple court. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. I mean, that's totally true. And I think that shows that Jesus kind of likes doves. He didn't like send them running. You know, when he was baptized, it says the Holy Spirit d- descended on him like a dove. Uh, yeah. So, you know, some people always have equated doves with a sense of peace uh, and also doves with uh, a sense of the Holy Spirit's presence. So whenever okay. I'm at church and like doves are flying around, I'm like, yeah, like good vibe. <laughs> what about seagulls? What about seagulls, <laughs> bad vibe, bad oh. vibe. <laughs> okay. So anyway, in verse 17, back to the disciples, as all this is going on, his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. This Mm -hmm. has always been the most perplexing part of this passage. I have a footnote in my Bible that leads us to Psalm 69, verse 9, that says, for zeal for your house consumes me and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is an interesting idea. I mean, the the basic thought is that Jesus has this zeal, this passion for the house of God or for the temple of God, uh-huh. um, which is true. I mean, he he does care, but he cares about the city. He cares about Jerusalem and he yeah. calls it. He says an interesting thing, right? He says, you know, stop turning my father's house. So he calls God his father um, and he says it's this is the father's house. Uh, I even, I've even known churches that have called themselves the father's house. I yeah. think you probably have heard of one too, right? Oh yeah. Um, that's the name of, of the church because that's what they want to be known as. Like, Hey, this is the father's house. That's a biblical name for a place where people worship God. Mm-hmm. I think what's happening here is things are out of order. Yeah. And when you get to the temple and we get to worshiping God, there is kind of a recklessness about worshiping God that you just let go of everything and worship God. But in the Old Testament uh, and in in Scripture, really, kind of throughout, we see that the worship of God is something that's done intentionally and with order. Right. Um, and it, that might sound a little, you know, a little weird or a little stuffy or a little boring, uh, but the worship of God in, in Scripture there there ends up being a lot of. Um, you know, the place is important. The people who do it are important. There's purification rituals and ceremonies that God instituted. They're not things that man created. They're things that God instituted. And so to worship God in the manner that, that the people are ordered to is an act of obedience. Mm-hmm. Um, we do hear in scripture though, that people would follow the rules and, and their hearts weren't there. So God actually wants both. He wants us to have worship that's, that's ordered uh, but also that our hearts would be ordered correctly, meaning that we would be fully uh, given in to, to Jesus, uh, right. that we would fully be, you know, kind of all in. And so what was happening here is things were out of order. And yeah. the thing that's out of order is people were trying to make money and get the business of church um, kind of, you know, make the business of church more efficient, make the <laughs> business of church better, make the right. business of church something that, they, you know, it was more based on human knowledge and they had forgotten. Um, they'd forgotten that there was something deeper going on. Yeah. Yeah. And so verse 18 uh, and 19, the Jews and Jesus have a little back and forth. The Jews responded by saying, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? 
which is a good question, I guess. Yeah, Jesus, like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in like a, the, the best Jesus way possible, Jesus like answers and kind of doesn't by saying, destroy <laughs> this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. It's like, okay, what? Because in verse 20, the Jews responded, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days. Uh, and so kind of a, a good back and forth, Jesus's style of answering a question with the intent of teaching, like really comes out in yeah. this little part. Yeah. And this is a, a really interesting thing for him to say uh, because he doesn't want to, he's at this point where he doesn't want to give up the fact that he's the son of God. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to really give up, give that information at this particular time because his time, it wasn't right. This wasn't the right Passover for him to, right. Uh, for that to happen uh, or the right moment for it to happen. And so he, he gives this little sign like, Hey, destroy the temple. I'll raise it in three days. Uh, and they're like, wait, well, you're crazy. It took us so long to build this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, you know, probably 40 years later, the temple would be destroyed. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it was 70 AD. And once the temple was destroyed, people kind of really freaked out. Cause they're like, the end is, you know, coming. And yeah. then I think it was like six or nine years later, Mount Vesuvius erupted. Uh, and I think there was some evidence that some of the Jewish people um, who who were around or heard of Mount Vesuvius erupting sort of thought, uh-oh, it's because uh, the temple was destroyed. God's getting his revenge. <laughs> uh, isn't that funny? Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, kind of placing it in the context of history, we can see that the temple was a really important thing. And yeah. the temple was a big deal and, and to build it was a big deal. And for Jesus to um, say that, that he would raise it again in three days was just a ludicrous, crazy person idea. <laughs> right. But John, and it seems like it's at, written after the fact, does indicate in verses 21 and 22, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Yeah. This is cool because uh, what is really neat to see is we get this perspective from John after the fact, right? Like you were saying, it's after uh, they remembered these stories, that things were written down. Um, it's after Jesus had been, been raised again uh, that they're starting to realize like, Oh, wait a minute. That's what he was talking about. Right. Yeah. That's what was, what was going on. And so it's cool to see that, you know, John is able to put that in there. The big thing for John is about seeing and believing. He wants people to believe. And, and the word for belief in here is, is really the word to, it's kind of like the verb for faith. Uh-huh. It's to faith something like to really believe it with all your heart, that it causes you to do something. It causes a change a reaction in you. Right. Um, you're making a decision to believe in something. And so John is really strong on that. I mean, he's saying that Jesus doing this, this action that he did of clearing the temple uh, helped bring belief. Um, now you look at the, let's go back to the situation where Jesus is clearing the temple and the Jews are asking him these questions. Mm-hmm. Like, Who are you to do this? Um, why wouldn't they just, you know, probably you're thinking like, why wouldn't they just like arrest him or like beat him up or throw him out? Um, why would they let him like do this thing? 
And it's really because Jesus had a following and people knew him and they knew he had done miracles and he had like people following. He was like a respected person. Um, in fact, he was kind of a little bit of a, a celebrity. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, once people figured out, oh, that's the Jesus they're talking about. Like, I'm going to go get a selfie with him right now. No, that's not what they do. Um, they'd say, I want to go, you know, I want to go get, uh, you know, have him heal someone or I want to hear his teaching or I want to see what the fuss is all about. Right. And so he comes in and he does this big kind of display and the people are like, uh, what do we do? Right. Like, yeah. How do we deal with this? And so they decide to deal with it by having a conversation with him, like challenging him. Right. Um, and ultimately that doesn't stop what he did. Right. Uh, in fact, yeah. it just more, you know, it more gives more reason for the disciples to believe him after the fact. Yeah. And I mean, you're right. They could have like instantly arrested him, but I forgot what I was going to say about that. Well, I was actually going to ask you a question because, you know, Jesus is saying here that the temple he's talking about is, is himself, his body. And yeah. we learn in the new Testament that our bodies are a temple of the Holy spirit. Meaning right. that when God, when we pray, we ask Jesus into our life, uh, the Holy spirit invades us and lives in our heart. And when the Holy spirit is in our heart, it's like, we're a temple. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes our own temple courts get corrupted yeah. with, you know, money changers <laughs> yeah. with, with, uh, you know, with, with kind of false motives with poor foundations. Yeah. And so the question I was going to ask is like, man, how do you let Jesus clear that out? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. What does that's that look good... like individually? Yeah. That's a good question. Uh, I, I, there's a lot of answers too. And I don't yeah. know, like I can't answer for you and I can't answer for like anyone else, but I, what I can answer is like what works for me. Yeah. And it's like, uh, for me is definitely, uh, going out and surfing, hmm. even if like the conditions are bad or like, it's like, just going to be like terrible or if it's like raining, it's like something about, you know, kind of the escape from, everything that's going on phone people commotion traffic mm. work a little bit you know what i mean and just being alone and present in the presence of god and letting god kind of like surrendering surrendering whatever those like things in like my temple are to christ and letting christ you know pull the whip out and say okay you know this thing that's like bothering you boom it's out of the temple whip and kind of kind of like that you know what yeah. i mean totally know what you mean yeah. And I think there's something cool about getting in nature because it kind of reminds us that, you know, there's something bigger than ourselves. Yeah. There's, there's something that we're connected to. Like, even though we've built all these things that are around us, you know, our built the buildings, the cars that we're in our our bank accounts, all of that stuff, even though we have all that stuff, we've built all that stuff. We're actually more connected to the stuff that God makes, the trees and yeah. the ocean and um, because we're connected to God. Yeah. And God is the creator of it all. The things we make on our own, like those are fine, but they'll disappear one day. Yeah. Uh, right. What won't disappear is our relationship with Jesus. So yeah. cool, man. Cool. Well, thanks for tuning into today's devotional and you'll hear from us again later in the week. All right, bye everyone.